Have you ever seen anybody play the game called soccer? Welcome, everyone, to the Yankee Wankers football podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined today, right now, just by my one resident hooligan, Mr. Barrett Hartman, although Clayton McKinney will be joining us a little bit later on this afternoon. But, uh, Barrett, I'll start with you, my friend. How you doing, bud? Man, I'm doing fantastic. I uh, snuck out of the office early to come up here and uh, have a few cold chihuahuas and talk some footy with you, so couldn't be better. Looking forward to that, man. We've got we've got the next two hours, two and a half hours, dedicated to some footy. Obviously, we've got uh, the kicking off on Friday, European Championships. We're going to call it Euro 2020, although I guess it's 2021, right, Barrett? So, I mean, it, I don't know. It doesn't yeah, matter, right? So, I, call it whatever, right? We just call it the Euros, right? Just call it so, Euros, yep. Absolutely. So, we're going to talk about that. We've got USA-Mexico, a absolutely insane, crazy CONCACAF Nations League final that took place on Sunday. We're going to talk about that. We're going to go back, I guess, and do a post-mortem, if you will, kind of revisit the 2020-2021 EPL season that was, look at our awful, awful preseason prognostications from all the way back in September and make fun of one another on that front. And uh, and as we go through, kind of take a group-by-group, team-by-team preview uh, for each of the 24 sides in the European Championships that start on Friday afternoon. But I guess before we get into all that, my friend, we got to tell everybody where we're at, right? So where are we at, my friend? We are at Oklahoma's premier luxury sports bar. That's Chalk OKC. Absolutely. Our home away from home from the usual studio. Again, out here live on the afternoon uh, here at Chalk with our guys uh, Ben, Chad, JP, the whole team out here always roll out the red carpet for us. We've got we got swag to give away, Barrett. So we've got a table yeah. sitting here in front of us, koozies, T-shirts, the whole nine yards. I, I even see some Mardi Gras beads yeah. that uh, might get you a little uh, scenery to look at. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe. I don't. They, they don't want us doing that, so I I, there's probably better scenery out here if I had to guess. So uh, we're going to build up to some games kicking off this afternoon as well. Barrett, obviously we've got some footy in the USA, Costa Rica friendly uh, kicking off. with Those those sides haven't been very friendly in recent years though, so there might be some spice to that one. We've got OU, the women's softball, uh, game two of the College World Series. Must win for the Lady Sooners, right? Must win. Boomer Sooner, let's go. Absolutely, absolutely. I would expect OU to bounce back and and force a game three tomorrow afternoon on that front. Uh, But while we're out here, Barrett, so the, the main reason that we're out here, I guess, is promoting a big month-long contest, a big giveaway that we have in conjunction with our friends here at Chalk in Chihuahua Cerveza, as you mentioned earlier, uh, a big green egg to give away come July, I think it's July 10th or July 11th is when we're going to give it away, right, during the yeah. European Championship final. But let's talk about what we're talking about here, the big green egg giveaway, big green euro is what we're talking about, right? So our friends at Chihuahua Cerveza and Chalk have been kind enough to put up a super duper prize so these things are not cheap are they barrett so these things uh, are well made d- depending on the size these things go uh you know anywhere from like 700 bucks up to like 1500 so yep. Yep. these things man my, if you don't know what a big green egg is um shame on you but uh it's a uh, it's a smoker um you know make some delicious meats on it my brother uh smokes one of those had some uh, awesome thanksgiving turkeys coming off that thing and uh man they're just top notch uh, top of the line equipment and, uh, yeah, just uh, looking forward to give that out and hopefully to uh, somebody who wants to maybe repay us with some uh, 
munchies. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would eat a steak or a burger uh, cooked on that uh, spectacular big green egg grill. But let's let's tell our listeners how they can get involved, how they can have multiple chances of winning this thing, let's Barrett. So obviously you can come out here and visit us today here at Chalk this afternoon. Again, we'll be out here for the next two and a half to three hours giving away some goodies. And while you're out here, you can come get a – we've got some little – I don't know what you want to call them. Um, uh, entry tickets. Slips, yeah, yeah, entry slips, whatever. You put your name, put your email, phone number on there. We'll put your name into the hopper. And then over the course of the next month, again, leading up to July 10th, July 11th, when we'll actually do the drawing and giveaway, we'll be tweeting out a bunch of stuff, right, in conjunction with our friends here at Chalk in Chihuahua Cerveza. If you like or retweet it, that gets you one entry in. If you come out here to Chalk and post a picture of you at Chalk, that will get you three entries, right? So we're kind of keeping a soccer theme here, right? So three points for the big one, one point for the small one. And then also, if you subscribe, like, follow the Yankee Wankers podcast, that will get you three points as well. So by my math, Barrett, that can get you up to eight entries total, I think, into this thing. Three points for that, three points for that, and then one point to come out here today and then one yeah. point for a like retweet, yeah. right? So, yeah, it sounds like it. Eight yeah, points. You can get at least eight we, uh, minimum, or, or I guess eight maximum, I guess would be the way that you would call that, right? So yep. entries into this giveaway contest. Yeah, I hate math. Yeah, I hate math as well. But the key to all this, ladies and gentlemen, remember this phrase, use the hashtag Big Green Euro. Right, So that's how we're going to keep track of everybody who's posting, who's retweeting, who's liking, who's following, who's subscribing, doing all the fun stuff. Again, it's our Big Green Euro contest giveaway, and that hashtag is Big Green Euro. That's a big, B-I-G, green, as you would expect. And then Euro is E-U-R-O, ladies and gentlemen, so European common championship. Common spelling. Yeah, yeah, common spelling there. Hashtag Big Green Euro. Get out there, like, retweet, post, subscribe, follow. Come out to Chalk, do all the fun stuff, and we'll get multiple entries we'll get you multiple entries into the drawing for that big green egg grill and again this thing's several hundred bucks so i think we're kind of in the middle range as you're talking about there so uh, not a uh, a skimpy prize by any means so big thanks to our friends at chalk and our friends at chihuahua cerveza as well for sponsoring that and again you got a whole month right to get involved people so and we'll be out here multiple times our sister pods as well be out here for the u.s open with our man jay till for yso so we'll we'll be spending a lot of time out here at chalk over the course of the next 30 days yeah uh, you got a whole month to do it nobody to blame but yourself if you don't get eight entries in there absolutely i agree 100 percent, barrett so well let's let's start off with the usa mexico Concacaf nations league final that took place in denver on sunday night barrett and my goodness again this thing was absolutely insane. It, it would be the great advert for soccer for a, a new fan to soccer, right? right. So oftentimes, you know, you, you bring somebody out here to chalk to watch a, watch a soccer match and it ends in a 1-1 draw or a nil-nil draw. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. you're like, oh, this is boring. I don't like it. This one had all the makings of a classic final here. Sloppy play, maybe, but it was yeah. entertaining and exciting and full of drama down the stretch. But I'll, I'll, I'll tee you up here, Barrett. You know, your initial thoughts on the U.S.'s big, big win over Mexico Sunday night. Well, you're right. This this match had everything you could ask for, minus a penalty shootout, although it did have penalty kicks. It got damn near close to it, didn't uh, it? Yeah, and as you mentioned, the, the perfect introduction to a non-footy fan, right? What better way than USA-Mexico, right? You know, it's, it's hard to get somebody excited for, oh, I don't know, Manchester United, Liverpool, Real Madrid, etc., who's never been a football fan, but it's Team USA. It's your, it's your country. It's your team, presumably. Uh, so, yeah, easy to get behind. And then you go into this game, it's got all the drama, right? You've got, uh, you know, a young uh, Team USA 
you know, we've, we've kind of talked about them kind of being a potential golden generation to take the Team USA to heights never seen before, right? Um, all these big-name players at the top clubs in Europe, Barcelona, um, Ajax, Chelsea. Yeah, more Americans playing in the Champions League this year than any any year ever, I think, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and then you got all these guys coming up big in the game. you got Gio Reyna scoring. Uh, you've got uh, Weston McKinney. You've got Christian Pulisic with the uh, PK. And, man, what a PK, right? Yeah, absolutely. Top, top shelf right in the no corner. No save in that one, yep. No, yep. Uh, 0% uh, save chance on that. But – High degree of difficulty at the same time. Um, you know, it, it was back and forth. Mexico scores, USA answers, uh, you know, right after. Second half, Mexico scores again. Uh, Weston McKinney answers that one. Then you get into extra time, right? It finishes 2-2, the extra 30 minutes. Uh, Pulisic draws a soft penalty. I'll call it soft. Yeah, uh, I there, think it's fair. There, there wasn't a whole lot to it. It looked like he maybe got to the ball before he got into Pulisic. So you could argue that it wasn't a PK at all. Uh, and then he just fires that fantastic rocket into the uh, top corner. Then Mexico comes back, gets their own PK. Uh, oh, but prior to that, the USA's starting goalkeeper, uh, Zach Steffen, goes out with injury. We bring in Ethan Horvath, right? Yep, that's right. Um, so you've got your backup keeper who hasn't played all game. He didn't probably go through the proper warm-up. He's sitting on the bench cold, has to come in. They draw a... I'll call that one a soft penalty as well, yeah, right? Very soft. Yeah. It's a handball, right? It, it was a handball in the box. The guy was close to it. It was a, a hard struck ball. He had his hand hanging by his side. It wasn't stuck way out. It, it was just an awful call. But you watch anything in slow motion, and it looks intentional. So I'm sure that's why it was awarded. But the backup goalie with the big save, uh, denying Mexico the equalizer there. Uh, then during the celebration, <laughs> you've got. Fans throwing, you know, cups of beer, yeah, water bottles. Yeah, I was going to talk about that. It got a little um, ugly at the end, yeah. And then I, I guess the yeah the uh, the game was halted at one point uh, with some, uh, you know, anti-gay chanting going on, yeah, which, that, which which is a a staple of the Mexican fandom. It seems like yeah, yeah it yeah. seems I think we that happened we at least. We won't repeat it on air, but uh, typically whenever the opposing goalkeeper kind of kicks it, uh, punts it from the uh, from a stoppage of play, uh, they have a, a certain phrase that they yeah. like to use there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so it's not the first time it's happened, for sure. I think it's two or three matches in a row in this Nations League that it's uh, come up. But, uh, man, it just, like I said, it just had everything you could ask for. And then to come away, you know, big win for Team USA. Kind of maybe putting a, a small stamp of validation on that golden generation moniker uh, that people have been throwing around. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned it had been somewhat of a bumpy ride for for Greg Berhalter in the squad kind of leading up to this and had unconvincing performances, I, I would say. You know, had some losses and some friendly matches, which, you know, we won't necessarily hold that against him. He had some experimental lineups and injuries and, you know, guys, again, more guys playing in Europe uh, than what we're accustomed to probably from an American squad, U.S. men's national team squad makeup. And so had to do some adjustments. But this was what we would consider as close to a full-strength American squad that we can probably expect in the World Cup. And so I think that's why there was so much anticipation going into the match. And the same could be said for Mexico, right? So uh, it was it was as close to a full-strength squad as they were going to have. And you mentioned the back-and-forth nature of the match. I mean, 
it got uh, it, it was almost off the rails before the game even began, Barrett. So early, uh, I think in the second minute, but like three seconds after the first minute, I think um, the uh, U.S. defender uh, Mark uh, McKenzie, right? So yep. who did not have a good game? Let's let's go ahead and say now. And unfortunately, he was subjected to you know kind of racist abuse online, some other stupid things afterwards as well. Which unfortunately, we continue to see you know more. Uh, I don't know if more of it's the right way, but it's certainly been highlighted. It's, it's uh, certainly not less. Yeah, yeah. And we see it over in England a lot uh, as well. Uh, again, just stupidity and, and, and ignorance there. But he didn't have a good game, uh, and it started off you know, horribly for him as he gives away a soft uh, pass uh, in his own box, essentially. Mexico pounces on it, puts it in the back of the net, you know, 65 seconds into the match. I think that was uh, Jesus Corona uh, that scored that one for Mexico. And you think, oh, shit, I mean, this is not <laughs> going to go well. But we, it, um, It's kind of like, yeah, we, we've seen this before. We know where this is headed. Yeah, right? absolutely. And so, you know, in, in the U.S. Was a little shaky there for the first 15 minutes after that, right? So it took them a minute to kind of find their sea legs and get going. But then credit uh, Giovanni Reina, uh, son of the uh, the former U.S. great Claudio Reina, right? Yeah. So plays for Borussia Dortmund as well. And again, one of those young super duper stars that are kind of up and coming. He levels things for the U.S. Uh, right before half, or I guess like the 20th, 27th minute. But it's yeah. level going into halftime. You mentioned they come back in the second half, a lot of back and forth, and Mexico hits one in the 79th minute, Diego Lanez, and you think, ugh. That's, we're probably in trouble. And then Weston McKinney comes down, a header from a, uh, a free kick or corner kick, I should yeah, say, three corner, minutes later. Yeah, c- yeah, Corner kick, and, and the Gio Reyna goal was also off of a corner kick. That's right, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Set pieces uh, were very good for the uh, U.S. men's team on Sunday night. Uh, it ends 2-2 going into uh, the 90th minute. As you mentioned, we go to 30 minutes of extra time, and, man, it was just full of drama, just absolutely insane, uh, just, just a wild, wild match. And, again, a great advert for perhaps a newcomer. So I'm hoping that there was a lot of new footy fans that kind of tuned in to watch this one and think, holy crap, is this what they're all like? Because this is a crazy roller coaster. But, you know, you mentioned some of the um, uh, unwanted fan interference, right? So after the penalty that uh, Pulisic uh, dispatches uh, so well in the 114th minute, kind of goes over to the corner where the uh, Mexican fans are located at and gives them the uh, the finger, the shush finger i should say and uh, they did not take kindly to that did they Barrett? So. <laughs> no but uh i mean he he knew what he was getting into right oh yeah, uh, yeah. It, it was it was intentional he knew there'd be some uh water bottles and beers thrown so uh i don't know i mean look you can't throw stuff at him but at the same time he, he asked for it a little bit well and, and he didn't get hit with anything right it was giovanni yeah. rain right, that got right. hit so i think he had been subbed out by that point but obviously came off the bench to celebrate with the rest of the team bless his heart he caught one right in the temple i think and i think it was a cup of cup of beer or a cup of coke or whatever so it wasn't you know too serious of an injury but he was down there on the pitch for a minute and required some attention so that was kind of scary uh and then obviously you mentioned we go down to the opposite end right before the expiration of the 120th minute uh, Mexico gets the uh, what we would consider a relatively soft penalty, and you think that the old man Andres Guardado, you know, a, a captain for Mexico, he's been there, done that, played in Europe, I think played for Fiorentina for a long time yep. and stuff in the uh, Serie A, a guy who's been there and done that, and you think, well, this is probably going to PKs, but yeah, Ethan Horvath, right? So he he has a cult status now amongst the United States men's national team uh, groupies and fans now just an absolutely uh, great save again probably not a great penalty by Guardado right kind of you know he hit it hard but not not great placement yeah, i guess it was, but it, it was a solid 
two, two and a half feet from the post. So yeah, yes. de- de- definitely within diving range for a keeper that guesses right and gets a good jump. Yeah, but you know, credit to Horvath, right? He he guessed right. He got a great jump, and then didn't deflect it right back in his path. That was what's most important. You see that oftentimes where a keeper will make a save, but unfortunately just hits it right back to the PK taker, and they end up tapping it in on the second try, pushes it to the side. The U.S. eventually clears it. There was kind of some nervy moments there, and then uh, he ends up in back with the ball. You know, falls down on the ball safely, and uh, some uh, good celebration scenes there from the rest of the defenders there, kind of giving him a pat on the back there because they knew how big it was in that moment. And, uh, you know, the U.S. closes it out a few minutes later. But, uh, yeah, enough can't be said about the potential platform and the momentum that this game can hopefully, you know, carry on into the World Cup qualifying, which I think that's going to be in the fall, right, Bears, whenever World Cup qualifying starts for CONCACAF? Yeah, I think it uh, runs from September uh, 21 through, I believe, March of 22. Yeah, and, and obviously the U.S. will be a favorite to make it through, along with Mexico, as they always are. But can't take it for granted, right? So we, did, oh, we did, didn't didn't make it in 2018, did yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, so. we took we did take it for granted uh, last cycle. So uh, for sure, got to you know it shouldn't be a concern with this group, right? They're they're good enough to beat Mexico. Mexico is the perennial you know powerhouse of the Concacaf. So uh, I think uh, uh, this will be the first year of the new format. I think there's eight teams in the final round as opposed to six like normal. So it'll be uh, U.S., Mexico, Jamaica, Costa Rica, um, and then uh, there's still some play-ins for those final spots. So uh, uh, Canada's not quite in it yet. Um, the Panama, Panama, Honduras, right? Some Panama, of Honduras, yeah. yeah, yeah. Those, those are kind of the usual suspects there. So uh, really no excuse not to qualify, but, but again, yeah, you're absolutely right. You can't take it for granted because we saw what happened in uh, 18. Yeah, I, I, would, I, I feel pretty strongly that this, this U.S. squad, this makeup is going to make it. And, again, uh, they should be exciting to watch, but, you know, we're, we're jumping ahead here, obviously. We've got the European Championships coming up. But if we, if we just take a quick peek ahead, Barrett, to, to World Cup, uh, 2022. You know what? What's the ceiling? Do you think of this this United States men's team? Well, I mean, look, we're we're talking another 12 months down the road, right? And this is a young team. Um, they haven't played a whole lot together, you know, in the uh, you know first team, right? They they've come up through the the U19 ranks together, but as far as the men's national team, they haven't played a whole lot together. So going through this qualifying stage is going to tell us a lot about what that ceiling is, right? Um, if you look just at the talent, though, uh, when you've got these guys, you know, playing at the, the highest levels of Europe in the in La Liga, Premier League, Serie A, uh, Bundesliga, I mean, there's no reason they can't obviously reach the knockout rounds, but they, they could easily make a semifinal run. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think that it's all coming together at the right time. And I think you look at some of the cycles from other some the other traditional European and South American powers as well to where maybe some of those teams that we're so accustomed to being so good, you know, maybe they're at a, at a down cycle at the moment. Yeah. Right? But maybe it all will time out right for that U.S. squad uh, once we get to 2022. But, uh, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun to watch uh, on Sunday night. Kind of ended up for a late late night uh, yeah. for on a, on a school night, if you want to call it that, so going to work on Monday morning that uh, extra 30 minutes and then the celebrations afterward uh, I stayed up pretty late on that one but it was well worth it uh, always good uh, to see the U.S. Uh, men's team get one over on Mexico and to do so in such 
dramatic and insane fashion. Uh, certainly one to remember. That and, one will go down the history books. Yeah, and you know, bringing home a piece of hardware too, right? Yep. Not not just a, a, a random game against Mexico. Yep. So. To get a trophy, uh, it I think it'll mean something for these younger guys, especially. So again, good platform, good building spot for Burhalter in that young U.S. side. So well, well, Barrett, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about again before we get into our Euro previews here. We're kind of warming up. Uh, here over multiple segments over the next couple hours where we'll dive into Euros. But, you know, do you want to talk a little bit about some transfer rumors that have Bring popped it. up here uh, over the last, you know, few days? Again, it's been a little over a week since we did our last podcast uh, that, that was out here, I guess, yeah. right? So Champions League final between Chelsea and uh, Manchester City. And so why, why don't we start with those two sides, Barrett? So the, uh, the two English teams that competed for the uh, Champions League, obviously Chelsea came out on top with a 1-0 victory over the Citizens in that one. But let's start with Man City. Um, obviously, we know Sergio Aguero moving on, right, going to Barcelona. There's been talk about do they need a striker, in which I think arguably they probably do, despite if, the fact that Pep's done well without yeah. a true number nine, right? If anybody doesn't need a, a true striker, it's yeah. City. But, but yeah, I mean, obviously – uh, they've got deep pockets, and uh, they're going to go get one, no doubt yep. about it. And, and obviously the names that pop up because of those deep pockets, Harry Kane, right? So you, you hear a lot about Erling Holland, although it sounds like maybe Chelsea is the front runner if he's going to move. I'm, I'm dubious of that. But, you know, your thoughts on the potential of a Harold Kane moving northward from Spurs to uh, slip on that sky blue of Manchester City. Kind of turns your stomach, doesn't it? It does turn my stomach, and I – I think it's going to happen. So uh, brace yourselves. It's it, It'll happen, and the best we can hope for is that it's a uh, prolonged courtship that drags out until the uh, deadline uh, and maybe creates you know a lot of drama around the team and creates some issues there, and he maybe has some trouble gelling, and uh, you know they'll be playing with a with a target man um, that they're really not used to, right? Uh, they play, you know, basically through the wings typically, and then obviously Kevin De Bruyne kind of creating in the midfield. But uh, they'll have to adjust their tactics a little bit, I think, and, and hopefully that gives them some growing pains. Yeah, I agree. And, and you think about, you know, those sides that Pep Guardiola had so much success with, you know, at Bayern Munich and then uh, Barcelona in particular. And, you know, he, he's a guy who hasn't always had an out-and-out out number nine, the typical striker, you know, big strapping guy up front to kind of hold up play and bring others into it. And, again, he's been more of a maybe a false nine type of guy, right? You think about some of those things and uh, having, having build up play through the wings, as you kind of mentioned there. So it would be interesting to see how his tactics might change. But, you know, City, their quest – to the Holy Grail is the Champions League, right? And so they they haven't minced any words about it. And so you would anticipate getting so close and falling short, which, you know, is funny for us, that they're probably going to spend a shit ton of money now, right? Right. Um, we get oils back up to 70 bucks a barrel, right? <laughs> so they, they might spend a whole lot of money, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think them losing the Champions League final kind of puts the uh, final stamp on they're going to figure out how to get Harry Kane. It's just a matter of how much – uh, you know, pain that Spurs can extract out of them to, to get it done. Yeah, and Spurs, and we'll 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 talk about them maybe a little bit later on in the pod. I mean, they're they're kind of in a mess right now as yeah. well. Where they got to figure out who their manager is going to be. It sounded like Antonio Conte uh, was going to take that job, and then maybe you know he's out of the running now because maybe his demands or ambitions were sounded like maybe they were greater than that of Daniel Levy's yes. and Spurs in general. So that's kind of a interesting twist if you're a Spurs fan. I don't know how you feel about that, but uh, going to try to figure out who's going to be the manager there pretty soon. I know. Um, 
Wolves announced today they they found a new manager, right? Another Portuguese guy, so uh, maybe not a, not a shocker there, given half their squad is uh, uh, Portuguese as well. But uh, Bruno Lage, I think, is how you say that last name, if I'm not mistaken. L A G E, not a well known product oh. from a managerial standpoint, but a guy who's had a lot of experience uh, in the back rooms and uh, uh, seems to be well thought of. So, but this will be kind of his first big job, if we want to call it that, right? Yeah, and and like you mentioned, I mean. They, they seriously have a large Portuguese uh, contingent in the squad. So, you know, having a guy that speaks the language, knows the culture, all that. I mean, there, there's some value in that. I, I just, uh, yep. you know, uh, you, you're bringing in a guy with very little experience. But then again, we're talking Wolves here, right? We're not talking about a, a big six side. So, you know, finances are an issue and, you know, cachet is, a, is an issue and, and attracting a big name. So I, maybe it's the best they could do. Yep, absolutely. And I guess speaking of NES, uh, Nuno Espirito Santo sounds like his name's been thrown about about potentially taking over for Carlo Ancelotti at Everton as well. So, I mean, I guess Wolves to Everton is a step up from a prestige standpoint, but not a not a huge step up, right? So, not uh, not the way they've been playing well, here recently. Yeah, recent form, you know, it's not that big of a step up historically. Yeah, it's massive, right? Right. right. Um, Wolves, uh, gosh, how long have they been in consistently in the Premier League now? Five yeah, or six years? Yeah, I was going to say the last six years, it seems like, um, maybe. Yeah. Whereas Everton, you know, is a traditional Premier League side. And it's true. If, if you want to go back to uh, the Stone Age, I think they might even have a couple of trophies in the cabinet. They do. Yep, they do. That's that's true. That's true. So so conceivably a step up there. We'll uh, see if he's actually tabbed the next man to lead the Toffees there uh, on um, at uh, at Everton. So keep an eye on that one. But uh, let's, talk, let's talk my side. Barrett, so your side actually got some business done early on. Right? I yeah. think we talked about that for the Champions League. Uh, the big defender, Konate, uh, from uh, uh, RB Leipzig. So a good good purchase there. It seems like about $50 million, I think, was the price tag there. Yeah, it's in the 40s. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely uh, it seems like a good move on paper. Uh, and we'll, we'll see how that one pans out. But Manchester United, the ongoing saga that is the Jaden Sancho to United soap opera. I mean, is this the summer that it's going to get done? seems... Like it's maybe more than just pie-in-the-sky stuff, uh, this go-around, Barrett. It seems like Dortmund has maybe lowered their asking price a little bit given they run another year down on the contract. Right. Sancho was not playing well at the beginning of the season last fall and in through the winter, but really came on strong during the spring. He played real well there, and I would expect him to have a good showing for the three lines coming up uh, in the Euros here uh, this uh, summer as well. But your thoughts on that move? Yeah, I mean, anytime the a year runs off the contract, right, that, that makes them – Takes, reduces the value a little bit. Um, plus, he's a year older, which, you know, at this stage in his career, you know, he's still on the upslope as far as his ability. Uh, but at the same time, you know, teams often overspend for those young guys because they get so many years out of them. So um, all that being said, yeah, that lowers the value some. Then, you know, just the, uh, the full picture of what the pandemic has had on the football economy uh, everyone's value is significantly reduced over what it was 12 months ago. Yeah, no, I agree so. there. It'll be interesting to see. It seems like $80 has been the number that's been thrown out there, right? Yeah, yeah. and what was it uh, last summer? 108, 110, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's a big difference, right? Uh, it's still a lot of money. <laughs> I've, I've also seen some rumors that uh, Liverpool might be uh, looking at Sancho, but I, I don't believe him. I think it's a smoke screen probably by uh, coming out of Sancho's camp, if I had to guess. Yeah. Um, when you hear... Uh, rumors about Liverpool uh, pursuing a player, 
uh, it's really 50-50 on whether it's true or not. Yeah, and, typically uh, they zig when everybody else zags. We yeah. talked about, you know, the Diogo Yota coming out of yes. nowhere, and that, that was a brilliant move when it was all said and done. Yeah. Nobody saw that coming. Now, the one to keep an eye on that I think might have uh, a little bit of fire to the smoke, though, is Yuri Tielemans. Yeah, okay. I like that. Uh, I like so that. So I think he'd be a great addition uh, at some, uh, yeah. you know, good replacement for uh, Juan Aldum, who uh, I guess is headed to PSG now. Seems like PSG kind of hijacked that from uh, Barcelona, right, at the yeah. last minute. Yeah, it seemed seem- like he was going to be paired up with his former uh, uh, Netherlands manager, Ronald Koeman, there yeah. at Barca. And, uh, yeah, PSG's come in and trumped it, it so, seems uh, like. Allegedly, not only did they trump it, I think they doubled the wage offer. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you pr- did you need to double it, or could you have gotten by with twenty five percent more or fifty percent more? Right again, oil seventy bucks a barrel now. Yeah. They're they're bullish again, Barrett. So. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw that. That I thought that was going to be interesting there. So yeah, but you mentioned you know trying to stir up interest for Jaden Sancho. I think you're right because to be such a you know exciting young player, uh, I think a player that a lot of folks have you know thinks has the potential to be arguably a golden golden boot winner or a, a best player in the world you know type of. Uh, uh, player, uh, if he's developed the proper way, it seems like it's been united and no one else. Like that's the only teams he kind of gets linked to. Obviously, he was former Manchester City youth product as yeah. well, and so I, I just think that's interesting. And, and maybe that's why Dortmund's been so hard to drive a bargain with. Is that I don't know if everybody else thinks they're priced out, but from a United fan perspective, it kind of spooks me a little bit. It's like why does nobody else want to pony up this money for him? Yeah, and. You know, maybe it's, it has to do with Sancho himself. Maybe he said, "Look, yeah, I, I just like want to go back to Dort- Manchester. Yeah, I, yeah. I like it here at Dortmund. You know, if I can get my dream move to Man United, I'll take it. But I don't really want to move anywhere else." Yeah, it could be, it could be. So again, I, from a United fan perspective, I hope the move gets done. Again, I still think center half is probably the primary need, but to have a proper right winger to give us some balance moving forward uh, would be a welcome addition. If that's the only uh, signing we have over the course of the summer, I wouldn't be too disappointed with that, but uh, would love to have a center half come in as well. But let's talk about a, a former United winger, Barrett, that's been in the news again, Cristiano Ronaldo, right? So uh, the the old line, right? So he's getting towards the end of his career, although he's still in amazing shape and still very productive. Uh, seems like uh, he will be moving on from Juventus. That Juventus experiment uh, has run its course, right? Had some success there, but obviously they didn't never won the Champions League, which I know was their goal. But his agent has obviously sounds like it's reached out to Manchester United and Real Madrid and PSGs and all the, the big boys from a money standpoint and is trying to drum up some interest there. You know, any thoughts on Ronaldo and where he might end up? He, he's just not going to garner the same price that he would have no. three or four years ago, obviously. Well, if you ask his mother, he'll end up at Sporting Lisbon. That's right, yeah, yeah. going back to the home, right, where yeah. it all began. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it, it, really, it really looks like PSG is the odds-on favorite here. Um, you mentioned the the deep pockets and the oil price, and those guys really you know making a push to. We we keep talking about people with uh, you know aspirations of bringing uh, that Champions League trophy home. Well, here's another one to add to the list, right? Um, so you know they've got Neymar, they've got Mbappe, but they still can't get it done. So hey, let's add Cristiano Ronaldo. Let's let's see if that's the missing link. <laughs> the firepower on that team would just be absolutely ridiculous. And I guess we have to keep reminding ourselves too. I mean, PSG didn't even win their league this year, right? No. So they, they finished second behind a, a Lille, right? So yeah. in the uh, the French league. So uh, obviously they have their sights set on a Champions League uh, title at some point as well. Very ambitious side there. You'd expect them to bounce back uh, in play uh, pretty well in the uh, domestic league and probably 
win it by a, a far margin in 2021 and 2022. But, uh, yeah, second-place team in the French League. So that's uh, got a sting for PSG fans. A shout-out to our, right. ma- our man Nelson, right? So he's a big uh, a PSG fan, a buddy of ours that uh, loves the uh, um, the Parisians there. So, well, well Barrett, you know, let's, let's wrap up here for segment one, right? We're going to come back. We're going to do our EPL postmortem, kind of our recap of the 2020-2021 season. Go back and look at some preseason picks, some memorable moments of the 2021 season, and then we'll dive into our group-by-group preview of the European Championships. Again, that's all going to be kicking off Friday afternoon, and I I know where I'm going to be. I'm going to be right here at Chalk on Friday afternoon at 2 o'clock. What better uh, place to be? Absolutely. So we'll wrap it up here for segment one. Again, live from Chalk here, the uh, Yankee Wankers European Championship previews out here. Come join us uh, and enter a chance to win a big green egg grill uh, over the course of the next month. We'll be giving that away in July, and we'll be back shortly.